Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Welcome to another week of Spirit Katana. I am your host, the old man. I'm Ruby. I'm Jadefire. And this week we are journeying through the first few chapters of Hebrews. So, let's get started with chapter one. Alright, I'll go first on the highlights this week. Okay. Verse three, the sun... <gasps> copycat. What? I said copycat. How can I copycat? I didn't know what you had yet. That's why I went first. Sure. Alright. Verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Why did you highlight that? Because um, the sun is an exact representation of God's being. And he sustains all things by his own word. So I just, I thought that was really cool. Just that he's this radiant and God's glory and the exact representation of it, of God and God's word. That's like we had, it just, there was it another image so of cool. God. Yeah, it's just super cool. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, do you have a highlight, Jadefire? No. Uh, do you have any other highlights, Ruby? No. Oof. You all took right. my only highlight. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Well, I also have eight through 12. Oh my goodness. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be in the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above other com- above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens of the world are the work of your hands they will perish but you remain they will all wear out like a garment you will roll them up like a robe like a garment they will be changed but you remain the same and your years will never end so this is about the sun right that was being said and that me and that's also god right so just another comparison of jesus and god which was really cool but also i just like the concept that all this that he created all this wonderful life that everything that we know and have experienced will wear out and end and it'll be rolled up and changed but he doesn't change despite all that he's never changing and a lot of people like to try to a lot of people have tried to claim that the god of the old testament and the god of the new testament seem like completely different beings because they're so different and they do things that change so much but he never changed he was always the same it just he dealt with the way he dealt with people and sin it looked different, but it was still pointing towards the whole thing. Like, the details may change, but he and his character and what he wants has never changed. Hmm. The big picture. The big picture. So, anyway, those are why I highlighted that. Alright, but if you guys have nothing else, we will move on to chapter two. Who wants to go first? Me. Alright. Um, well, okay, I will go with uh, 13. Or no, 14. Alright. Since Ooh, I have tr- that one, I, I do. 
Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Um. Ah. Trying to figure out why I have. Oh, um, I don't understand why it's saying since the children have flesh and blood. Because the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in that humanity. Oh, I get it now. Okay. Um, and the reason, part of the reason I like this whole thing is like, first of all, he conquered death, right? So death is done. But the the real clincher is in verse fifteen. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Because when you fear something, you're a slave to it. And what are we supposed to fear? God. God. We are to fear God and be a slave to God. Because you're always, we've talked about this before, but you're always going to be a slave to something. If you're just doing what you want, you're just a slave to your own instincts and desires and foolishness and a slave to your flesh. And you will constantly chase after the things to fulfill what you want there, but it will never be completely fulfilling, so you'll continue chasing and chasing and chasing like a hamster in a wheel. You will never get anywhere. You will never actually be fulfilled, because only one thing can fulfill that, and that's God and Jesus. Well, I mean, hamsters on the wheels get something done, just like people on treadmills. They get their exercise, they get their running. For a body that will perish? Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, again, it's not really going to satisfy anything in the long term. But, I mean, eating gets nothing done. Because it's for a body that'll perish. Nope. But you are not accomplishing anything in your for eternity is what I'm saying. You're not getting anything done for eternity. Okay. Um, and and what we so it's just good not to fear things because when you fear them, um, because when you fear things, you are automatically putting your power under them. You are a slave to those things that you fear because they control your actions. Because you are afraid of getting hurt, you won't go do something like. Uh, for example, like the wasps that keep showing up around the house or whatever. <sighs> they keep you from places because you're fearing getting stung. Not that you should just go in there and get stung. It's wise to not go get stung. But like, you see how like a fear of something controls you, right? Yep. Yeah. And that, that's, I've even talked about this already. Like when I go deal with the wasp, I definitely bundle way up in like a bunch of clothes and stuff so that if they do sting me or try to sting me, they will most likely fail. Because I have layers of stuff on and thick stuff on and covering every part of my skin, right? Yep. Because I haven't been stung by a wasp in a long time, so I don't really remember how it feels, and so I kind of fear it, and therefore it dictates my actions and what I do. I have <laughs> been stung by a wasp in a long time, which made me just not care. Right. And I'm sure if I do get stung eventually, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, it hurts, but it's not that bad. Like, I don't have to be this concerned about it. Well, yeah, but when I got stung, I was like, eat. Yeah, sure. Really bad. All right. Uh, Any uh, highlights you want to share, Ruby? Yes. Verse 5. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels. What does that mean? Uh, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. Um, So, yeah. He has not subjected the world that is to come to angels. Angels aren't what's controlling the world, right? Mm. That's not under their ruling. It'll be... Like, the world, at least the, I mean, I have to go back over the whole context of this, but the world to come would be, like, if we're talking about the new heavens and earth, that's completely God, and the world we're in now is somewhat, like, ruled over by an angel, (laughs) um, and demons or whatever, but, like, that one will be destroyed and pass away. Yeah, I 
think what we're getting here is that like the messages spoken through angels was binding, right? In verse two. Um, but it was just a message spoken through angels, right? It wasn't the ones, the angels didn't bring that commandment. It's not under their uh, rule. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That's, that's my best guess or whatever, I guess, <laughs> from, from here. Um, I do not have any more highlights. Do you have any old man? I do. Uh, what about you, Jade Fire? Do you have any more? Uh, yeah, I have a, more of a, I have a question about Well, verse... apparently I didn't have a very good answer for the last question, so maybe nine. I can do better this time. Verse 9. <laughs> But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels. Like, how was he made a little lower than, like... Well, he was made as a human. Yeah, but he still had powers. Yeah, but we're lower than the angels, and, like, like, we can call on God, too. Just like Jesus did. Good point. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, he was made... Basically, they're saying he was made man. So, he used to be reigning high over everything with God, and now he was put down here for a little while. So, I... Highlighted verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So yeah, so God makes people holy and Jesus makes people holy. And we are the people being made holy. And so we're the same family then. If we And because we've been made holy and all that and part of the same family, then Jesus doesn't have to be ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Yep. Because we're all, God is our father, right? And mm-hmm. Jesus is the son. And we're also sons and daughters. And it's a lot like, because this is compared earlier in the Bible too, we're, um, we're the bride of Christ, right? The church. We are the church. We're the bride of Christ. But we're also the body of Christ. So both in those instances. So anyway, um, we're part of the body of Christ, and Christ is the son. So then we're the son, under, right? Because we're part of Christ. Or we're the spouse of Christ. And just like how... When people get married, they are considered a son-in-law or daughter-in-law of the other family, right? They're part of that family now. Mm-hmm. So either way, we are now part of that family, and therefore brother and sister of Christ as well. So it's just cool. It's nice to know that we get to be a part of that whole thing. <laughs> we are part of Christ, and that's fantastic. A place to be. All right, let's move on to chapter three. Who would like to share first from this chapter? I shall share verse one. Okay. And so, dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy, and each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle and king. What does it mean Jesus is an apostle? Or we embrace him as an apostle and king? Um, well, the apostles, they were messengers, right? They were sent out to deliver message. Jesus delivered messages to us, right? And he's also our high priest. Oh. He's the one who intercedes on our behalf to become I suppose that makes sense. holy and saved. And I like the, this verse just reckon, you know goes back to the we've yeah. been made holy. <laughs> Same thing you said. Yep. You have a highlight, Jade Fire. Yes. Um, it's verse 15. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. What rebellion? Um, uh, the rebellion of the Israelites. Probably. They constantly were rebelling against um, Christ. Or, well, God, I should say. Kind of like when they wanted a king? Uh, well, there's that. Or when they were worshipping other gods constantly and having them struck down and then bringing up the and in, like, Asherah poles and all that stuff again. And in the desert when they were being saved. Yeah, before, yeah, yep. There was a lot of rebellion. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. They even got um, exiled and enslaved for a while. 
that brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. That's my only highlight. Yeah. I highlighted verse four. Okay. Um, verse four. Every house is built by someone, but God is the designer and builder of all things. I think it's cool how it's like everybody has built something, but God has built like everything. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's not what I take out from that myself, but that yeah. It is cool. I just like that it says for every home is built by someone. So, like, you know that everything has been built. Like, you can tell. Like, a house, you see a house, you know that somebody built it. Yep, everyone. It didn't just fall together like that, right? Mm-hmm. Which means um, that everything else we see must have been built by something, which would be God. Yeah, that's cool. That reminds me of something from my, or from the show I watch called Evolution vs. God. Um, uh, like, he's like, um, well, you can't just look at a building and say, well, that those bricks just fell in place perfectly because what are the chances of that happening? Well, point one trillion trillion? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no house just came together by accident like that. Um, and if those were built, then gotta assume everything else was too. Yeah. Yeah. Like our complex bodies. Um, That's true. I. My mom said. Oh? My mom said to make a body, you need like enough of these perfect cells that have to be just alike enough to go to the moon and back like so many times or something like two times or whatever, like from Earth to the moon and mm, back. Yep. More than once, and they all have to be perfect for a child to exist and yep. grow up. It's just insane. There's a lot of very complex things in the design of this whole world and everything that grows and stuff and like people call it nature and natural right like grass just grows it just does that's how it works but needs trees sun. just create yeah it and does it, but we right? have some but like they never put it together that like all that had to be like built and designed right <laughs> so because it just naturally happens nature is more beautiful than most things and that's because god made it yep and his work is more beautiful than humans Alright, so I highlighted verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And 13, but encourages one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So let us not, like, let uh, sin deceive us and our own desires and fleshly things deceive us into thinking that we can do better without God or instruction or rules or whatever. And just shirk all that and harden those hearts and turn it away from God and the, all that stuff. And we should be finding, like, we should be encouraging one another, too, to remember to stay away from that stuff. Yep. And it uses the word encourage, not necessarily rebuke, although sometimes that's a part of it. But, like, like yeah, you can do it. You can resist those things. You don't have to f- listen to sinful deceit. Yeah. Do you have any other highlights, Ruby? Nope. Jade? Nope. All right, then I will close out our chapter with 16, 17, 18, and 19. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Hey, I guess I I just answered you again. I know. (laughs) And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So, like, that's what keeps us from heaven and eternity, is unbelief. We need to believe in Jesus. Let us, because otherwise we suffer God's wrath by being separated from him. 
Because he will just give us over to those sins. Mm-hmm. All right. Hebrews chapter 4. All right. Jadefire, do you have a highlight? Yes. Um, verse 12. For the word of God is a living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. Um, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts uh, and attitudes of the heart. I've heard the part from like four to sword. I heard everything. I've heard everything in between those two words before, and those two words. That um, God is a living. God, the word for the word of God is living and active. It's kind of like it's kind of like the name of our podcast, Fear Katana. Yeah. Except it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Just that, like a book is sharper in a double-edged sword than a double-edged sword. But it's not talking about, like, real life. It's talking about spiritually. And I just find that interesting. Yeah, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It slays and cuts down sin and disobedience, right? It only destroys sin and evil in the heart. It doesn't destroy the actual body. I know. Yep. Yeah, it's a cool verse. It's also the verse I highlighted. (laughs) <laughs> verse 12 for the word of god is alive uh, and yeah. active so yeah just nice to know that god's word is constantly it's living right and it's active so it's always moving and growing and doing what it needs to do um and it penetrates deep inside so when we talk about the spirit katana cutting through our enemies we don't mean we're gonna chop them in half and kill them and stab them or whatever it means we're trying to cut through the lies and the deceit and evil and wickedness and reveal what's inside of the heart and hopefully kill that evil part so that we can be purified, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's my only highlight. Ruby. I highlighted, my only highlight is verse 9. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience. That just sounds so nice because... Well, we do get our, like, Sabbaths with nothing else to do. Um, it's nice to rest and stuff. And just to know that a full and complete one is waiting in heaven. Yeah. For believers, but I hope for me. Yeah, and where does where do we find that true rest? In God, right? For anyone who yeah. enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Not that God mm-hmm. needed to rest, but he did. He rested in it. It's just nice. It is. I mean, whether you're exhausted or not, it's just nice to rest. Yep. It's wonderful. Yeah, that was kind of what was nice about uh, a recent uh, birthday weekend is that we just stayed not busy that time. We just finally got to rest from the busyness of the last couple months. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. choke. Um, all right. And why don't we go ahead and also tackle chapter five? Oh, never mind. This one, the final chapter. I said final chapter. So did you? No. We're going to do chapter five this week, and then we'll probably do just four chapters the next two weeks. Um, All right. Tradefire, do you have any highlights? No. Okay. Ruby. Uh, just a minute. I got to read and see if these are actually okay. So I do have a highlight. Well, a few of them, actually. But uh, my first one is verse nine. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. I mean, before that, I guess, eight. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So, like, he learned obedience, and now we also need to learn obedience to enjoy that eternal salvation, right? Mm. 
Well, I do have a highlight in verse 13. 13. It's hey, a, me too. I'm 14. Well, I'm going to read 13. Yeah, no, go ahead. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. What does it mean like they're not pierced by the revelation of righteousness? It means that that teaching or information has not... Um, it means that teaching and information has not gotten to them, right? Anyone, mine says anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Yours makes a lot more sense. No, yeah, mine's not trying to be as fancy as yours. Um, 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So we need to mature and eat solid food and start to learn what is good and what is evil so that we can stay away from the evil and do the good. Mm-hmm. And it takes training, right? Yes. Which means self-control and self-discipline. All right. I also have verse 11 to, I think, wrap us up because nobody else has any highlights, right? Correct. All right. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You can't teach somebody who doesn't want to try to understand. Yeah. It's a really hard lesson to learn because you keep trying to get them to understand you. But if they don't, if they're not even trying to understand you, there's just no point. I and that's my application. I was gonna say that I should probably have that as my application because I have experienced that both ways. Mm. So yes, we should be trying to understand what people are saying if if it's truth and trying to you know help us or whatever. If they're just yeah. being nonsensical, like many of my children can be at times. Um, well, you don't necessarily need to try that hard. <laughs> that probably will be my application too. Well. Then, uh, so yeah, yeah, my application is, def- is is verse 11 from Hebrews 5 is just to um, not waste my time tr- continuing explaining to somebody who does not want to even try to understand. Yeah, I'm going to have that application too for actually being patient and like just not wasting my time like you, but also to not waste other people's time and try and listen. And try to understand. Yeah. yeah. That will probably be my application too. To try to understand or to... Both. More so to understand. Sounds good. Because that would be very beneficial to... I mean, it's a very beneficial thing to learn for everyone to try to understand what people are trying to tell them. It's great for communication and relationships and especially if it's about the truth and you want to grow in wisdom and live a better life that's more in line with God. Try to understand. (laughs) Alright. I believe it's my turn to pray. I believe you are correct. Alright, let's do it. Alright. Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you for this time I can spend with Ruby and the old man. And uh, just help us have a wonderful time and help um, us to um, try to understand and help us to um, try to not waste our time with people who don't want to even try to understand. And uh, help us have a wonderful week. Amen. Amen. Amen.